1: Log Talk Radio.
0: You are listening to the McCarthy Project live from Minneapolis, Minnesota, where we have been attacking life and sport since 2001. been discussing today the idea of selecting a partner and all the different aspects uh, of what entails selecting a partner. And It's just not sometimes as easy as saying, hey, my friend's playing, let's play too. So I have brought um, Brian Goodhine um, uh, from Weber University, uh, Weber International University, uh, who has played uh, on his own right and then also as coached. So how are you doing today, Brian?
1: Uh, I'm doing great. How are you doing today?
0: Very, very well. First of all, thank you very much for spending the time today. It, it is a uh, always a cool thing when a coach is willing to sit down and kind of give his perspective, so I do thank you for that.
1: Oh, well, thank you. I appreciate the invite.
0: Cool. All right, so today we've been discussing this idea of selecting a partner, you know, and details of that let's have you kind of go over your bio i know i gave you just a quick one but can you talk for two three minutes about where you come from and and what your currently your roles are and 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 what you see as far as what's applicable to selecting a partner
1: yeah absolutely um just quickly i mean i'm from uh massachusetts and i ended up out in florida kind of through playing and training uh on the beach um and a broken relationship from years ago uh, from somebody who just really wanted to be in Florida. But um, I enjoyed training uh, out in Florida. So that's why I kind of ended up here um, and I've gotten to play beach out in Cali and, and Florida and, and even have some grassroots of, of playing uh, competitive doubles, you know, up and down the East coast. Um, and then I just got really into coaching and have just been involved in volleyball just for the last about 15, 16 years of my life. And, Uh, coaching has just been a blessing and I've been the head coach over here at Weber National University Uh, just finished my sixth season here Um, and it's been nice to get back to uh, being in the sand game as far as getting to coach it Uh, before this last six years uh, I wasn't able to do that it's just mainly been indoor volleyball Um, so it was nice when I had the opportunity to be at Weber uh, and get back into the sand game.
0: Well it's interesting that you are a northerner that defected to the south because I'm Mm -hmm. in Minnesota. (laughs) And uh, the opportunities to play beach volleyball are are minimized, let's just say, to a couple months in the year. And so it's always fun to hear people that actually make the big trek down south to actually play a little bit more often.
1: Yeah, it was really random. A friend had a, a beach court built. Uh, in Massachusetts, and I didn't even know what this game was years ago. I'd seen these people play it, and it, it just looked weird to me. I didn't even know what volleyball was. Um, I just kind of hopped out onto the court, and it just came really natural and fell in love with it. And then there was no ifs, ands, or buts for me. I just I dove right in. So I had gone to Florida right away even back then and just started training and got really lucky to be – I'm sure you've heard of, like, the Hanneman brothers. Um, yep. The older brother, Chris Hanneman, was someone that I – I happened to come out to a beach court and he was practicing with a bunch of his friends. um, And I just became this little puppy dog that was there every day at six in the morning. and was like, teach me your ways. So it was a good time.
0: Well, the fun thing that's great about the world of beach volleyball is it really has a, um, uh, for lack of a better term, a warm and fuzzy feel. You know what I mean? It's so much different than other sports in the sense that, you know, things like that can happen. If you were to walk up to, uh, you know, from Minnesota, you know, Adrian Peterson, and you saw him working out on the football field, you'd probably get tackled and told to run away, you know, if you ever <laughs> got close enough to him to even talk to him. It's kind of interesting how life turns out, you know, when people actually yeah. open up their heart a bit and help people out.
1: Yeah, I think it's cool. The beach world is definitely more like almost like college sports. It's, it's still at the love of the game, and you know we're not involved other than like maybe the top five players in the world that still, even their salary of making a million dollars, is nothing like, like you're mentioning, NFL, NBA, where guys are making $20 million a year, and they don't, they get this diva attitude, and they don't want to talk to you. The volleyball world is, is awesome. You could literally walk right up to a, a superstar, and they'll hold a conversation with you and hang out with you, no worries.
0: Cool. All right. Well, let's um, move over to selecting a partner. So I'd like to kind of – there's so many different scenarios to this, and so I'd kind of like to go through a progression because in so many ways, you know, when you're younger, it doesn't have as much application necessarily. And as you get older, uh, it does. And I mean by older, meaning college, and then if you do you get the opportunity to continue to play after college, uh, it has mm-hmm. pretty serious ramifications, you know, and – a couple of situations that we talked about previously come on air is the Crap brothers. They were doing really well and then they decided to split. Uh, and then you could see the Brazilian team, which mm-hmm. was actually almost two different people. Uh, one was, um, you know, I always wanted to say this to that watch. It was Alessandro and Bruno. I always wanted to say that, you know, out loud. But mm-hmm. it, was, it was really cool how they were almost two separate different people and almost butt heads, but yet they still played well together. And then on the other hand, you got the women's side, which, um, you know, in last year's tournament, there was a couple set of twins. You know, is twins, you know, the deciding factor on whether you can play good together? So you've got all those different aspects. So let's start, first of all, at the younger age, when you're, say, under 18. How would you go about selecting a partner?
1: Um, I think a lot when you're with the, the younger uh, group, you well at times see a lot of it being friendship. Um, I think a great example of that is looking at Lucena um, and Phil Dahlhauser to where when they were younger, they, they played together and then they had a little bit of success, almost like the Crab brothers. Um, but then, you know, a big opportunity happened and, and Phil decided uh, to go to the professor. Um, and now they've ended up back together and they're and they're completely nail what you said They're They're completely different personalities where, you know, Phil is very chill and he doesn't really care whether he's in the spotlight and Nick is fiery. Um, So, it's, I mean, complete opposite there on the court, but it works. It has a really good balance. But when you're younger, um, it's tough. It depends on the area you're in. I mean, kids that are at the younger age that are in California that are under 18, there's, it's just such a hotbed. There's going to be an opportunity to actually start getting a beach coach now where you didn't have that years ago. So, I mean, you could be you know, even 14 and under and already with a beach coach and having someone have the opportunity to lead you and make those decisions. If you're in an area where you don't have that, you're going to play with your friend or you're going to play with your brother or you're going to play with your sister um, at that younger age until you end up getting up into 18 or older. And sooner or later, you're going to be playing at tournaments and other players are going to see you that are really talented or you're going to be seen by a coach and then decisions you know, will change, but I think it really depends on the area you're with. But definitely, when you're younger, friendship is is very involved in uh, picking a partner for sure.
0: And that doesn't hinder you. You would actually argue that that actually is a great thing, or at least I would argue that it's a great thing. But is there a hindrance to that? Like in Minnesota? Oh, you know, right now, you know, we don't have your own programs, and to sit there and say that there's, you know, even a hotbed. Gosh, we may have hundred players, you know what I mean? Something like that that are actually mm-hmm. legitimate playing.
1: I think in a smaller area it absolutely is a great thing. If if you can find a you know, you have a friend that wants to play, um and you guys can grow together, uh, if they end up kind of having the same passion you do, that's a great thing. But if you're in an if you yourself grow and your level of your game is just getting higher than your friends, it ends up being a hindrance in the long run I've seen happen just because the fri- I've seen friendships broken up just because yes. they, want the, they want the same thing as the other partner, but their level just hasn't grown, and it's really tough to look at somebody you consider. We're not talking about like an acquaintance, like somebody that's a really close friend, and you're having to tell them like, hey, you know, I've got to move on. And like that Lucena dollhouse of breakup in the beginning, like that didn't go so well right in the beginning. And those guys were, you know, they're great friends, and they're great friends today. But, you know, when it first happened, it wasn't the smoothest of transactions.
0: It's almost like a divorce.
1: Yeah, exactly. You nailed it. Absolutely.
0: Yeah, something like that. All right, so let's move on a little bit to the college level, you know, and so now your game has grown. Uh, you're obviously around better players. Uh, you now have a, you know, a coach that's actually making decisions essentially for you in some respects, you know what I mean? And, mm-hmm. and maybe there's a little coach that has a little bit more of a, a player's flavor. Uh, but how do you see that decision changing and what should an athlete look
1: at? It's funny you ask this question when you're asking it because we are literally in a situation right now where, for example, I have two players that have come to our college that I personally have coached since they were 11 and 12 years old and they happen to choose our college. They are short, They are on the shorter side. So the goal was hopefully someday they're going to play in college and it would be the easiest way for me to finally split them up, if we can find yes. a bigger partner for them and have and add the block to the, you know a bigger block to the game, but they have played so well together, like they they're almost like twins as far as the way that they think and have that connection. So I'm in that position now where I'm not going to split them up right away, like I thought I was going to want to. I'm going to you know let them play a little bit in the beginning of the season and actually see how they compete against other teams, number ones and twos. And until I'm at that point where it absolutely has to be broken up but right now they've just proven um that they can beat bigger teams um I just foresee if they're going to play at the next level and that's even beyond college um that they're going to sooner or later one of them or well, both of them is going to need you know that that 62 <laughs> to 63 partner so but I'm in that situation yeah. right now but but for other team for other ones that we have it's just a matter of Um, you know, bringing the girls in, we do a ton of queen of court and just see how the girls, you know, play together. Um, and we're trying to just not only match talent, but we're trying to match, um, you know, character, um, integrity, stuff like that. You're trying to find the girls that are a little more on the not fiery side, some girls that are on the fiery side. It seems that that's a really good mix that when you can, you've got these really talented players that if you can find that partner that could bring a little more fire out of them you will bring even more out of them. And then you'll have a really fiery partner that if they could just dial it down a notch, they're going to be even more mature and bring more out of their game. So it's just our job as a coach to try to find that balance.
0: Well, I think that's the biggest thing that I hear you saying is that there really is no formula. There is no this is the way to go. You know what I mean? And I think that's the beauty of Beach is that you can't have two shorter players if they play really well together. Uh, play at a high level, just as well as you put the most talented two players and they can't even work together, and they'll be just atrocious.
1: Well, look at over the years, uh, the two I'll use and I cannot remember the exact years, so I apologize, um, but you had the Lindquist sisters that played on the WAVP, and they were consistently uh, a Final Eight team, uh, a Final Four team. They played against Misty May and Kerry Walsh and competed you know, at a high level. And these were two girls that, you know, they weren't, they didn't block, like they were just purely defense and hit great shots. Um, But what I love about the game today is you're getting, you nailed it. You said, you know, Alisson and Emmanuel, it's, uh, or not, excuse me, Bruno and Alisson. It's, there's the formula that everybody thought a little bit of a shorter player with a really big blocker. Um, But now all of a sudden add a new formula. And now you've got the Jake Gibbs and the Pattersons that are, more like two blockers, uh, but one playing defense full time, one's blocking full time. It's, it's, it's interesting to see how the the game has gone, but I would agree with what you just said. I don't think we're going to find one formula, but it does seem in my opinion that the formula is getting to where the players are getting bigger and you're starting to see players that were the size of blockers are now your defenders and that does seem like something we're moving toward because the game has grown, it's more popular, and you're seeing guys that, on the men's side, that would have been basketball players that are transitioning to the game of volleyball, and you're starting to see the height difference and the size has changed dramatically in the last eight to ten years.
0: Well, that's interesting, that you say, because being in Minnesota, I don't have that long history, you know what I mean, Seeing players. You know, and – it's, uh, it's, it really is an unfortunate reality in sport today, which is something altogether different, but it ties right in, is that the players are getting bigger. You know what I mean? So then genetically, tall becomes the first prerequisite. You know, and people, when they come in and look for a partner, well, who's the tallest person? You know what I mean? And they immediately go to that rather than looking for the, the person who has the will to win or the person that really can outsmart people. Or can anticipate gets kind of pushed to the side, just naturally because you might be five foot six or something of that nature.
1: Yeah, I would and say you, 100%. Yeah. Oh, I was going to say I ahead, 100% ahead. agree with you, and I agree 100%. And I don't want to name names on other coaches; I would never do that. But even as I came up as a as assistant coaches along the way, it's a lot of coaches will give you the political answer and they'll tell you, "Oh, yeah, it's the heart, it's this," and, and they want that. Don't get me wrong, but they want it inside the body of a, a six, four outside of a six, six middle. They want, they, I mean, even on the women's game, they, they want their six, five right side. Uh, I mean, it's that's, it's what they want. And I feel like it's almost a lost art, but you know, myself as a coach, it's, it is about the character, the integrity. My faith is really, really a big part of why coach. Um, so I'm, I'm more into character and integrity. And I mean, I'll take a five, nine, outside hitter. I mean, we just had a 5'8 outside hitter that was an all-conference player, and we just went 16-0 in conference. So, you know, that girl wouldn't have gotten the opportunity for a lot of other schools just because I remember being in rooms recruiting and 100% the coach we wouldn't even look take that paper if it didn't hit a certain approach jump, block jump, or height we didn't even, that paper went a different pile. It, you would never know if that girl had heart or anything. We just moved that paper to another pile.
0: Well, it's interesting, and I'm even going to confirm this in football, which um, I forget his first name, but he's the coach at Washington. Peterson is his last name. Um, Mm -hmm, He said that he does. Yes, he said, "Well, I don't look for sure. You have to be an athlete, yes, but I'm looking for a specific type of player that, for my program, I know works well." And it's interesting. So, I think the recruiting game, when you tie into this college level piece. Has a big thing as well as this. Just because one college doesn't like you, that doesn't mean another college isn't going to think your your work the investment.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's it's easier for the women because the game is just so big with all the levels you have with d one, D two, D three, your NCCAA, your NAIA, your the JUCO's. I mean, there's there is so many opportunities for the women. So yeah, without a doubt, with the guys. Uh, it's a little tougher for men's volleyball yeah. indoor-wise. You know, Well, and obviously even, you know, there's no beach yet for the guys. So,
0: Well, it's funny because I even, living in Minnesota, and I'm 48, so I'm a, I'm a little older, uh, and I'm, it's interesting, I was down in St. Louis three or four years ago, and this is kind of how my whole world existed. It was uh, volleyball's for girls. That's just what I thought, you know? <laughs> And uh, yep, there yep. was no high school sport. And all of a sudden, I was down there. I said, well, where's the basketball tournament? And they said, no, there's a men's over here. And I went over, and it was like my eyes lit up because I didn't even know. All I knew was that Karts Karai was really cool in the 90s. That's all I knew. And uh, <laughs> yep. that's about all I knew because I was in the Olympics every four years, you know. But it's, yep. when you look at the selection of partners, you know, it really does have a lot of different pieces to to the game. Now let's just go from a kind of like of a more of a kind of a uh, I wouldn't say a negative situation, but when a situation is not working right. If you have a player that the coach says, okay, I want you two to play together, Susie and Lisa. But Susie mm-hmm. and Lisa are the fiery and the one, but they don't like each other. What would you recommend to them? But the coach. I mean. Them to play together?
1: Yeah, I mean, and, and that happens at times, and, and sometimes it, it, in the long run, it doesn't work out, but usually in those situations, you've coached some players that do fit into your program, and the goal for that throughout the preseason, um, and even leading into the preseason as you continue to stay in contact with your players before they even come in, um, would be to get them to buy in. Like, they've got – the players have got to buy into your culture as a coach. So, you've got to have those players that completely trust you. I mean, to be ridiculous, it would be like if I told the player, hey, I, you know, get get in that garbage can. You know, that that player needs to completely just walk off the court, get in the garbage can because they completely trust what I'm telling them to do. There's a reason for it. I'm not going to ask a player to get in the garbage can, but that's yeah. about the dumbest example I, I could give. But it's, it's just – they. Yeah, they got to have complete obedience. But there's our, there are, there just our times where the girls will come in here, and they like you just said, they just don't click. And you end up putting a match up to where we're watching players play, and it, it, they just they really can. They have problems off the court, and it leads down the court. But my best example I give them is I have played with people 110% that I could not stand them off the court. When when practice is over, when games are over, I would not hang out with that person, but in the game, during practice, during the match, I would bleed for them. So that's something I try to train as far as the culture that we have here, that what happens on that court, you've got to get lost in it. The sport is an opportunity to get away from everything else that's going on in life. So we've got to separate the two. And usually for the most part, we've been able to do that. Um, And we've had the opposite of what you've asked. We've had two girls that absolutely get along. Unbelievable. They are the best of friends. You you would see them hanging out just before the game, and you would want to watch them play because they were so entertaining. They they connected so well. And then, but when they actually play the game, the whistle blows. They're horrible. They they just <laughs> they can't play together. And so it's on I mean, the complete opposite of what you're saying. Is it also happens, and you just have to be prepared for that as a coach. And then that's even more difficult because now you've got to get two girls that really like each other to buy into not being able to be together because the one thing they want more than anything is to be together.
0: Yes, and then they, they are not able to do probably what they've thought about and dreamed about for years.
1: Yep, absolutely.
0: Fascinating. I think this discussion could go on forever, to be honest with you. It really is quite a, um, a fascinating subject. So let's move on. Yeah, you – You've had to move through. Yeah, I'm sorry. I want to go one more step further in the last couple of minutes we have here. Okay. Now we're at the pro level, and so now we're talking adults, you know, that, you know, that uh, more so they're the ones in control, you know what I mean, yep. and they may have a coach that may direct them, but they don't have, you know, they don't have, the, they don't have the person making the decisions for them, so to speak. How mm-hmm. would you go about selecting a partner?
1: Um, in those situations, same thing. Like you, like you nailed it. it. There's just a lot of different facets there, and um, when you're in that situation, it becomes a lot of guys. It's all about business. So I think that's kind of what happens. I don't know them personally, but I, I think you had like the Crab Brothers that were not at the optimal height as far as being that having a true blocker and a true defender. Um, and I think it's great also in the pro game if you're watching like some of the partnerships that are happening. Like, for example, who the Crab Brothers went to, they ended up getting to go to two really experienced players. So I really think the game is trying to help grow the game, and I definitely want to make sure to give definitely a shout-out to the guys and the way that our game is growing because the the Gibbs, the Gibbs on the, the men's side and then the Kerry Walsh Jennings on the women's side, like, they're not just all about themselves. They're going out of their way. To help. Same with uh, the professor, you know, Todd. When he was at the end of his career, he played with three different players as he finished his career, just because he wanted to help younger guys get better before he hung it up. And I just really admire that. But to stay on course for what, for what you're saying, it just comes, it comes down to making business decisions. And we're not playing in a game that where you can make twenty million in a season. So the guys got to really, if you're not finishing in the top eight to the top four, there's such a difference in money from winning the tournament to finishing fourth. So it, it's crazy. It's not like golf where you could finish 30th and you <laughs> still have a huge payday. I mean, these guys can go to tournaments and and walk away losing money uh, because not even all of them are even getting the sponsorships that are paying for everything. So um, it just becomes a really big deal like that. Same with when I brought up before with Lucena and Dahlhauser and, having to break up at a pro level finally to make that decision, which turned out to be a great decision for Phil who ends up getting to go and, you know, and win a gold medal with Todd. And and obviously you could see the jump in where his salary went to where Lucena's went. Um, and that's not to take anything away from Nick because he, he had a great career and didn't care that he was a shorter player and, and fought hard. And he's been an inspiration to watch over the years too. But I think the, at the professional level, the guys are just, they're making business decisions on almost a week to week basis of who's the best person for me to be with that is going to give me the opportunity to win tournaments. It's why you'll see a lot of guys in the middle of the season drop the partner and go to another one it's it's a, they're taking a it's like a run an audition to who's going to give me the best opportunity of finishing the highest at these tournaments and uh And that's just kind of kind of where I see things at.
0: Yeah, what's, it's interesting how athletes, if they don't see how each one of those decisions, I mean, you think about where we came from as, I mean, this literally could be the span of six years. You're 16, you're really good, and you want to be a friend, and so you have that scenario. Then you go into college, you do really well, and you, the decisions are sort of made for you almost, and then you've got to move mm-hmm. out and make your own decision, and then it'd be a, totally different. It can't be friendship-based because then it'll be totally, you'll waste a year thinking, well, I'm just going to stick with this. I'm just going to be loyal. I mean, you can see how those really high quality character things can really get in the way almost, if that's the right way to put it.
1: Yeah. I saw a big one for me watching, and I still haven't grasped it and I haven't researched it a lot. And I, and I really will be interested to know in the long run, because like watching like, you know, Jake Gibb and Rosenthal, um, end it and break up was a really interesting scenario. It was like Rosenthal, how do you say no to Phil Dahlhauser? So it's like you go and then Gib and Patterson have an amazing run together and then Rosenthal just doesn't quite cut it with Phil, ends up being also being injured along the way too. But even when he was healthy, they just it never really clicked. But on paper it looked like it was gonna be like amazing. But then Rosenthal ends up not getting to go to the Olympics, you know, Dahlhauser gets to go, Gibb gets to go. It, it's just, it's so interesting to see. And then they're both still in the AVP. They're both still playing. So like that partnership now, when you're looking back, should it ever have broken up when you're asking about partners, that would be an interesting one that I would love to hear what people would have to say toward, do you think Gibb and Rosenthal is a good way to look at this? That was a good partnership. They connected really well. That should not have broken up, in my opinion. And, and
0: then you sit there and look at it and say, "Well, it was just a business." That, well, it's like crap. Well, we should have been like. You know, it really has a. You really just don't know. I, I. In just hearing your stories, it confirms that it's just something that you have to live out, and and hopefully it works out um, as best as possible. I mean, there's no other ways to put it.
1: Yeah, no, you're you're right. As coaches, we say it all the time, like. We just have to put our best foot forward, and we're going to – like a hitter, you know, you're, you hit that ball at the highest point and you live with the result, whatever that result may be. And it's the same thing with this, like we're saying. You know, we, we just have to – you know, Rosenthal made a great decision when you look at it because how do you turn down Phil? But in the long run, that just happens to be a story that we look at that just didn't quite work out like it was expected. But there are other times where – look at Phil when he chose Todd they did not have the greatest connection. There's an example of two personalities that really didn't connect well, but just their skill level really meshed really well. I think Phil was at a point in his career where he really had a lot to learn still. So I think Todd was able to give him that. I think that was the key to that connection. And they had an amazing result to one of the best partnerships ever in beach volleyball. But at the end, Phil soaked up every bit of knowledge that Todd had and then it became, wait a second here, our personalities really don't match. And then that's why they finally ended up breaking up because they, you know, there was nothing that both had to completely offer anymore to one another. But when they did, it was amazing. Like they were, I mean, I'm sure you know, they were amazing to watch.
0: Yeah. And I think that is a, uh, one interesting position. And well, again, there's so many different aspects to this, but when the relationship was right, but once one got to be uh, equal, in a sense, now mm-hmm. they became, one of them became, I hate the word disposable, but that's essentially the the, the wisdom that was sitting in that other partner is not there no more, magically. Uh, and it's just fast, it's fascinating, not magic, um, but uh, interesting discussion. All right. I apologize, but we probably have to uh, cut it down for today, but I think this has been a great uh conversation about all the different aspects but if people do want to get a hold of you where do they go and what um, is the best way? Um,
1: Oh for me it's just going on our our website at at Weber. I'm I'm more than happy to you know like you I I could talk about volleyball all day. I'm definitely like a volley nerd so um, (laughs) just just going on our our website and you can go to I mean my last name is Goodhine G-O-O-D-H-I-N-D-B-E at Weber.edu and People are more than happy to shoot me out emails and, and do whatever. Or, or you can go onto the Webber um, Twitter or Facebook and, you know, and they can just try to get a hold of me through there. And I'm, and I'm happy to talk volleyball all day, every day.
0: <laughs> it is a great thing. All right. Well, again, I uh, thank you for your time. And um, we look forward to having you back on the, on the next uh, couple months just to talk uh, more volleyball about another cool subject, if you don't mind.
1: Absolutely. I really appreciate uh, you even inviting me, and uh, it was great meeting you, and uh, I look forward to hopefully talking to you again.
0: You are listening to The McCarthy Project live from Minneapolis, Minnesota, where we have been attacking life and sport since 2001. Good afternoon. This is Stephen McCarthy for the McCarthy Project, and we are coming to you from Minneapolis, Minnesota.